0: Welcome to Human Solutions, simplifying HR for people who love HR, from Aim HR Solutions on True Story FM. I'm Pete Wright, and this week we're talking all about mindfulness. What does it mean to be mindful at work? Do you practice it? Can you learn it? And as HR professionals, why should you be thinking about mindfulness at work in the first place? Kathleen Worthington, our Senior Director of Education and Workforce Training, and Jen Moff, our VP of Learning and Development, join me to talk all about being mindful in and out of work and why you should care. Mindfulness. Uh, Jen, Kathleen, thank you so much for for sitting down with me today to have this conversation. Welcome uh, back to the show, Jen. Welcome, Kathleen. First timer. Great to have you here. Yeah, Thank you mindfulness uh i guess we should start is it more than a buzzword jen oh yeah you know i i heard you being mindful just then that <laughs> long exhale so cleansing
1: that was breath. so centering you're so cleansing breath. yes <laughs> so generous to me um is it more than a buzzword i i think that depends on the person Uh, Their answer. I'm sure there are people listening that do think. All right, let's tune in and see if this really like. I bet. I bet this is just the same thing that I think it is. And I don't. I'm not here to change anybody's mind (laughs) by any means. But Mm -hmm. I personally don't think of it that way. You know, it exists on a spectrum like many things do. And a buzzword definitely comes from trends in the zeitgeist, if you will. And Mm -hmm. right now, mindfulness is very, very trendy. So. I, I don't blame you for asking.
0: It is it, it is trendy, and I think it's that the danger of the the memification of mindfulness Ooh. is that it obscures some of the intentionality of uh, uh, living mindfully and working mindfully. And I think that that's largely where I'd like to get to with this conversation. And from the perspective of HR mm-hmm. professionals, why is it important that we have this conversation at all? Well, you make right. a
1: good point, Pete, and something I want to touch on very quickly is a lot of times I've heard people assume that to be mindful is the same thing as to be intentional. And yes, there is that definition out there, but what we're talking about here with demystifying mindfulness is not about necessarily intentional living um, exclusively. Is that a part of it? Yes. But mindfulness as a whole, there's there's a number of definitions, and I'll, I'll just dive right in. If you're ready to hear the deaf, I'm ready to give it. <laughs>
0: Ready to abbreviate words like I definition know. for sure.
1: Uh, I'm here all day. Anyway,
0: all day. <laughs>
1: At least for the next 20 or so minutes. So, to me, mindfulness is kind of a three part thing it's the non judgmental awareness of the present moment. So, let's break that down. Non-judgment. Yeah. So, that means we aren't labeling something as good, bad, right, or wrong. And that's, in and of itself, hard to do. The human brain likes to classify things and put things in boxes. But um, we stay in, like, a place of neutrality about things that we're coming in contact with. And then awareness just means we are we're present to something. Like, we're not ignoring it. We're not, you know, putting our little blinders on or grabbing our rose-colored glasses. We're just, we're honestly of where? And then the third part, the present moment, focusing on the now, which is really hard for the brain too. It It naturally wants to vacillate between the past and the future. And those are places that we can get caught up in different emotional states of like anxiety or fear or sadness or, you know, worry. But in the present, there is peace. So th- those three things are what make up mindfulness to me.
2: During a state of mindfulness, You're going to notice your thoughts, you're going to notice your feelings, and even physical sensations, the body, you know, is involved as they happen. And you're not zeroing in like, all right, now I'm going to think about my what's going on in my nose, or my ear, or my hands, but you're just, you're aware. There is this awareness that Jennifer, she just said, and the goal isn't to clear your mind or stop thinking about it, it's just to be, and to be aware. You know, of your thoughts and feelings rather than t- kind of getting lost and spinning in them and, and not doing just, um, and letting just, just, be, just be let it be.
0: Let's talk about the data behind the value in, in a mindfulness practice. Is there, I, I mean, is there a, a recognized, measured benefit? Oh, goodness. I have a little list I, I
2: brought from John. Zen. He is actually a leader in the, in the field of mindfulness and health. And he says, one, reduce symptoms of depression and anxiety. Two, improved memory, focus, and mental processing speed. Three, improved ability to adapt to stressful situations. Four, greater satisfaction within relationships. Two more, reduction of rumination. I don't know about you, but that spinning, spinning, repetitive, going through those scripts over and over in your mind. And then finally, improved ability to manage our emotions. That's a pretty amazing list. Even if you got one right, you know, one, you were able to
1: conquer one, that'd be a good thing.
0: I didn't know it was a test, but now I realize that I'm aggressively trying to meet all of those characteristics.
1: Uh, Pete, there will be a pop quiz at the end, of it, and <laughs> Kathleen is ready to administer. She's it, so.
0: ready to administer. Well, I, what you're describing there, and I think that that gets to why we're having this conversation too—that there is a uh, a sense of just measured anxiety in the world right now right mm-hmm. all of those mm-hmm. things you could characterize as going through in times of stress and high pressure at work mm-hmm. add on to that the fact that the the world is is in a crazy state right now right there mm-hmm. just seems to be more pressure than we have experienced in the past and dealing with those things that that come with the bouquet of anxiety the perseverative thought spirals the these kinds of things that can really get in the way of your intended performance at work and thereby again at home like it 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 seems like all of these things uh there is some some real benefit to to just being aware of this practice
1: there's you know this has been something i i was introduced to back in 2011 or 12 and i was i was going through it pete i was going through it and um uh, a documentary
0: will be released in 2023, yeah. The, yeah. the Jen Moff Story.
1: <laughs> I'll be on Netflix with my own right. show talking all hey. about it.
0: Inventing Jen.
1: <laughs> uh, um, so, a colleague of mine actually shared with me, Jen, you need to be more mindful. And I, I'd never heard the word before, not once. And I was like, <laughs> like the record scratch. Yeah. And I just kind of paused and I was like mindful. And and the way I describe it is it's like I must have been like a caveman that had just seen fire for the first time. It was like such a powerful experience for me. And I started reading so many wonderful books on the subject. And it was incredibly transformative for me to have a sense of empowerment over my life and my thought processes and helped me kind of hone that muscle to be able to not buy into what that monkey mind rumination that Kathleen was talking about a moment ago um, wanted to tell me about myself or what I was capable of or what a conversation with someone else meant. And it, it was incredibly transformative for my life and me at work.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mike's first experience with
2: mindfulness was about I I heard the word mindful, and I'm thinking, well, well, they want us to have more in our minds, be full in our minds. I'm like, I don't think I have any more room. I already have plenty going on in there. And then they're like, no, no. Mindful. And like Jen said, I thought it had to do with being more intentional. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -mm -mm. No, had to step back even further. And then it was just about noticing and being present and being allowing myself to be aware and not be judging myself. And it was a whole different, when I put that spin on it and started applying it day to day and holding myself accountable, not to judge, but just starting to feel it. It made sense. It totally made sense. But the mindful before was just, okay, let's just see if we can pack more things in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was not butter yeah. up That
1: storage <laughs> unit. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah.
0: Uh, it, it, you're getting to this sort of central question, and we'll speak personally before we zoom back out to to organizationally. Uh, How how do you know for the two of you that you're in that you're living within a mindful practice? Mm. Does it does it make your fingertips tingle, or
2: it's being aware that your fingertips are tingling, that your blood is rushing when you're anxious, or you're in a moment, you're having a moment, mm-hmm. and you feel that electricity, you know, that current that can go up and down your arms and you feel your anxiety increasing. It's being aware, for me, at least being aware and then grounding. I can start with my, I do a little body scan. I can start Mm -hmm. and feel my feet and my toes and be aware of sensations that are going on. So for me, it's just like paying attention a little more to myself.
0: Curiosity. Being curious, it's that mm-hmm. practice of vipassana. Like, what am I just uh, like? Yeah, I stub my toe, but what does it really feel like? Does it hurt? Am I just responding to it? Or am, do I really understand what that's causing me right now? Jen, what's your spent experience?
1: I think back to when I wasn't to compare and contrast. Like, okay, I I know the person that I am now, but if I think back to who I was in, say, 2010, I was living a very reactive life. I felt trapped. I felt stressed out a lot. I did not feel empowered. I didn't know why I was behaving in certain ways. I didn't know if. You know, this was just the way life was, and I didn't have any concept of how things could be different until I was exposed to it. And when I began a formal mindfulness practice, which is through meditation and just focusing on Mm -hmm. observing your breath because it acts as an anchor to the present moment, it hones a muscle in the mind, just like, you know, doing bicep curls or something or push-ups. And that muscle that's honed in the mind builds up the strength of you as an observer. So, you have separated yourself from your thoughts because you now can witness these thoughts. So, instead of being reactive to life, a victim to life, you become empowered. You get to choose how you relate to people. You get to choose how you relate to yourself. You get to choose how you observe what's going on in your own body instead of just saying like, Oh, I hurt my arm. You know, it's... Okay, that I feel that that hurts. it does not feel good I, I'm, I'm not happy, and I might cry about it. like I broke my toe last December and I consciously felt the pain and I was like, I need to cry to let this out and that's okay and I didn't judge myself and and I released that. and the benefit of doing these things is because having a um an adaptive stress reduction technique like mindfulness in both the formal meditative practice and an informal just um, kind of more passive observation style. It helps as a way to manage your stress levels and as you started to allude to. Work is not the most stress-free environment for many, many, many of us. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, and that's what I want to get to next. This is the why should I care part of the show, right? <laughs> where, where we just asked that question because I, I think it's really important to, to note as HR leaders, HR professionals, that people are bringing a lot of pain with them all the time in all kinds of different packages. Mm-hmm. And they're showing up at work and they're doing the work of your organization, carrying around this experience. And so I come to you and ask, what is it that we're, that we're asking HR professionals to be aware of as they come to work every day about the state of their team and what can they do about it, about helping it feel like a safer uh, place to get work done?
2: So people are watching. They're watching us, they hold us to a special standard. We really model the right behaviors day to day. And so, knowing how we're showing up, because we're always humans first, employees second, right? Mm, right? Yeah. So, being in touch with ourselves and being aware as these situations come at us, how we're responding and how our body and our minds are responding, and being able to be aware and in touch. And then they say we're sharing that with other leaders across the organization so that they too are aware of how they are showing up and modeling the right behaviors and being human first. Oftentimes leaders hold themselves to a very high standard that they can't allow their emotions to be out, you know, be put out there. And that's absolutely not true at all. If anything, leaders should be showing that it's okay. For us to not always know the answers, to have feelings, to be stressed, to um, you know not have the answer to the problem in the in the yeah. moment, because and that gives their employees permission to also be able to do the same, and we become more psychologically safe at work. So um, awesome. I could I could start off on another t- tangent here, but really, truly, being able to allow leaders to be be aware and also to tune into their empathy within their, you know, their own being and, and sharing themselves in
0: a new way to their people really helps them connect. This goes to the next sort of part of the question, which is, you know, at, at what is the role in HR and particularly training and development, right, mm. to help create a culture that embraces and extends a, an organizational practice of mindfulness?
1: Oh, yeah. Um, is there
0: a role for that? I personally think yes. Uh, Kathleen agrees. <laughs> I,
2: <understand. laughs> I do. I think it starts with the leadership right from the top, and HR is going to be a business partner at their table and show them because often they're very hardwired to care about that bottom line and their you know mm-hmm. return on investment, and they're you know they're very focused on the business. And this is, mm-hmm. of course, they should, but this is the people side of the business, and so they're going to be coaches. They're going to be guiding and being. Partners
1: with their leaders. I know that, and I don't have as much experience in HR. I'm I'm a learning and development professional and coach and speaker by trade, but um, I have a relative that actually got into HR decades ago before there was any kind of formalized process around working in it. And it was before they had a degree program for it. So she naturally ended up in this position and she ended up getting kind of forced out when the evolution of the industry um, asked more of candidates. And so this has just been in the last 50 years. There's been so much change in the HR industry. And so to me, this idea of, focusing on and valuing well-being in the workplace in some, some capacity, and mindfulness exists under that umbrella, is part of the new wave of what we need our, our culture and our HR professionals to support, embody, and promote internally. That's the, the evolution of business, you know, I, that's all I can see mm-hmm. from an outsider and from somebody kind of partnering peripherally. I agree with Jen completely. And it really, they can't do it alone, though.
2: Uh, HR cannot drive it alone. It really has to be a partnership with the leadership Mm -hmm. team across the board and be part of their organizational values, wellness, really, really valuing employee wellness and building it into their culture, you know, who what their brand is, what matters most to them.
1: You make a great point, Kathleen. Um, Someone sent me an email the other day with an article about how Gen Z and millennials actually feel that a lot of their employers, and I think this was around the 30, 40, 50 percentage, um, give, you know, well-being lip service. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, we care about this. (laughs) Shucks. And then, Mm -hmm. like, the behaviors don't match the words. There you go. So, to what Kathleen was saying is like it has to start at the top. It has to be something that the the CEO, the C suite, the HR team, everybody has to value this in order for it to work as a as a mm-hmm. holistic unit. There you go. Otherwise, benefit it's just, everyone.
2: It's just another flavor of the month, another program that HR is running, and instead of baking it into the culture of of the the organization.
0: Well, this gets to something we have talked about before, which is this idea of if it is baked into a program, right? Let's say mindfulness uh, is baked built in somehow built into your uh, into a, your uh, health package right mm-hmm. you get some hours of you know whatever you get to go to therapy you get to do you, it's all built into the package mm. uh, therefore I guess we don't have to do anything internally because we've applied a, um. a policy that allows us not to have to think about it if you need it you go get it but we don't have to do anything for you at work in meetings and the way we structure our days. Do you have perspective on that? Uh, I, I do. <laughs> I, do I, I was, I I was, was hoping.
1: That, <laughs> <laughs> Where are you now, Pete. You I tracker. wasn't fishing,
0: but I like what I caught. Go <laughs> ahead.
1: Oh, snaps. <laughs> um, I think that what you're talking about happens, and I think it's probably part of the evolution of the conversation. It's, it's low-hanging fruit, so to speak, unquote, "Quote unquote," um, it's easier for companies who are trying to buy into this or you know jump on the train or ride the bus, um, but it's not a magic pill. It's not mm-hmm. the thing that's going to fix everything. It's a piece of a much bigger puzzle that has to be put together. It's not a check in the box. It's check in the box.
2: How long is that going to last? You know, and that's, that's, we know that we're transparent when we see those check in the box. It's really about sustaining it. So yes, we can have access to it through EAP employee assistance program or, you know, your learning and development team rolls out a, a lunch and learn series or some series of workshops. But how do we sustain it? It's about then defining the behaviors. What does it look like and giving permission to practice, to ha- use the mm-hmm. language, to use the vocabulary, to not have it be just the flavor of the month, but to have it be just part of who we are as an organization and what we value. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, as we get to wrapping up here, I, I want to make sure people walk away with some, some tangible direction. Where do we point HR professionals who really would like to put some muscle behind this? How, did, how do you start a program? Uh, that that helps bring this benefit to work. Call us, Amy, to our solutions. <laughs> That's what I was hoping. Come on, I was Jen. waiting for the commercial, Kathleen.
1: <laughs> yes, Kathleen, absolutely. Like, we, we are here to partner with you in any way that you want support. Uh, we create customized bespoke solutions and I'm I'm so happy to be a part of the organization now because like Kathleen mentioned this is this is my bread and butter and I am very excited about the growth that we'll be able to provide you and so many others as we continue to invest in well-being for all people at all companies. I feel like it's just the right
2: thing to do right now. Right now. What a couple years we've had and who knows what's around the corner. So, mm. you know, there's nothing better than taking
0: care of ourselves, taking care of our employees. We can't lose the lose the focus that uh, that our organizations whether we're working in the same building, whether we're working in the same cubicle farm, whether we're working uh, in our home offices completely separate from one another. The organization is a living breathing organism and mm-hmm. it must it needs care and feeding. It absolutely does. And this is a great way to, to do that. So thank you both, Kathleen Worthington and Jen Moff. You guys are fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you Pete. What fun. And thank you, everybody, for downloading and listening to this show. We sure appreciate you. And you, as always, you can find links and notes about the show at aimhrsolutions.com. You can listen to the show right there on the website or subscribe to the show in Apple Podcasts or Spotify, anywhere your favorite podcasts are served. On behalf of Kathleen and Jen, I'm Pete Wright. We'll catch you next week right here on Human Solutions, Simplifying HR for people who love HR.